You're listening to a very special episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we like to talk about what is going to become a future classic. And the subject of today's episode is the last full movie in Marvel's Phase 4. We're going to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This is eventually a full spoilers episode. You know how we do here. Uh, we would go for about 45 minutes without spoilers, and then 45 minutes in, there is a spoiler warning. We're getting really good at actually saying those now. There's a lot of thoughts on this one. Pierre and I both had quite a bit to say. And beyond that, I do also want to point out that this is a very special episode for another reason. Up until now, we have been... Uh, working through season three of Classic Movies Live, and uh, we got season four coming up. So this is actually going to be the last movie we cover for season three of Classic Movies Live. You're going to hear maybe one or two more movies in December, but those will be season four. I'm very excited for what we've got for you. Getting near the end of this episode, we do go through... um, a little more behind the scenes, as well as a a part that I always look forward to. We talk about movies in general, not just Black Panther, but a lot of things. So stick around for that, Uh, especially if you have seen Black Panther and don't have to skip through to try and avoid spoilers. Anyway, one other little piece of behind the scenes lore. Pretty much every week, I uh, get an email from Spotify letting me know that there's some licensed music in my episode, and uh, that's very good. That means that Spotify's algorithm is working properly. But just so I get that little reminder from Spotify, just, you know, that little check-in so they let me know that they care about me, I'm going to put a little bit of licensed music here. Here is a tiny bit, just a teeny tiny bit, of an original song written for the Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever, by Rihanna. This is Lift Me Up. to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. And Pierre, today we have a very special episode because, as always, it's another episode of Classic Movies Live and all of our episodes are special. What do you have to say to that, wow. Pierre? I mean, considering the amount of episodes we, we have this season, that's quite the feat. Oh yeah, this is going to be our season finale. And if I'm counting correctly... This should be, well, not quite our season finale, kind of. There's a little, little special treat afterwards. But I think this is episode 57. And, like, we've missed a couple of weeks, but even if you assume one episode every week, that's over a year of episodes. That's not how long seasons are supposed to go. Not usually, yeah. But we're breaking the rules here. Yeah, we don't play by the rules because we're live. cool. 
Yeah, movies were meant to follow the rules or something. Yes. Yeah. What I said. I mean, I guess it's kind of coincidental. The end of season three ties into the end of phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where we will, I mean, I guess, God, I don't know where, I, I had a, it was way cooler in my head, but we're talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, okay? Which, like, is a very, definitely the point of it is that death is not the end, but it is a movie that has, like, a ser- uh, a sense of finality to it, so, uh this just kind of really worked out as a, as a final episode for a bit too. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a no, it's a November movie. I don't know. Movies are kind of winding. I feel like they're winding down right now. Anyways. Oh, I, I, I can't feel think... very much. Actually, no, we just talked about <laughs> two movies that you were very excited for that you just watched. So I guess I'm wrong. I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking of avatar right now. I'm going to be honest. Um, oh, I'm excited. For I feel avatar. like everything else is just kind of, not uh, below my radar even though they might be great movies and potentially better than avatar 2 it's just the next it's the next event in my opinion so yeah i mean like for me in my i'm probably seeing movies every week if i can but like between now and about a month from now it's a few indie movies here and there that i'm excited for yeah whatever and then avatar i'm really excited for avatar yeah i don't think there's many people that aren't even the people that aren't say are actually are well like i was i was talking to my friend before this movie and we got an avatar trailer and i was like i am so hyped for this and he was like really so you know some people aren't (laughs) yeah no but yeah i i i feel like everyone's gotta at least watch it i don't know oh it's it's like it's going to be one of those things that if March, you know, March will come around and all the people who in December were like, I don't really think I need to watch this. March is going to come around and they're going to be like, all right, time to go see Avatar. <laughs> yeah, That's how After, it was with the first one. Now that it's cool like, that everyone's, no, it's like lame to have seen it late. So it's like cool now to watch it or something. Yeah, I remember when the first Avatar came out, because I think the first Avatar was another December release or something. You know, it came out, it made a splash, but not like as big a splash as it could have. And then a year later, it was still in theaters and it had like become the biggest movie of all time. It was, it wasn't a sleeper hit. It was a hit right away, but it was like, it kind of was a sleeper hit in that its biggest in that it felt like its biggest moment didn't even come until months after it released. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when you make that much money. Um, and now it's made even more money because it got yeah. re-released. Speaking of money, let's talk about Black Panther. Yeah, a movie that actually it doesn't seem like it's going to make as much money as the first, which surprises me. But um, is a still a movie. Uh, it's starring um, Letitia Wright as the main character now, mm-hmm. um, due to Chadwick Boseman passing away, and uh, it's about I guess it's kind of about Shuri really stepping up to the plate um, as the new Black Panther, I guess um kind of yeah did you what did i don't remember did we talk about the first we never talked about the first black panther i don't i don't know if we had this podcast i don't think we did yet 
I think the yeah. first Black... We may have talked about it in our Oscars episode because that might have been the year that Black Panther was there. Yeah. I can't remember for sure. No, well, it wasn't. That was that was the year before. For, so yeah, we had we didn't. For old time's sake, what what is what are your thoughts on the original Black Panther movie? So um I would have to rewatch it because I haven't seen it <laughs> pretty much since it came out, but I do remember like really liking it. I remember at the time, I mean, I probably still am a brutal contrarian half the time, but at the time I remember being like you know, it was good, but it wasn't that good. But then when Best Picture came around and like when it got Best Picture and I was like sort of thinking back on it in my head, I'm like, yeah, I still don't think it's necessarily Best Picture material, but like it was really, it is one of the top Marvel movies for sure, at least at the time. And I think I would mostly stand by that it's in the upper echelons of Marvel movies. For sure, yeah. It came at a really opportune time for i mean it was the first there was a movie right before infinity war um mm-hmm. marvel was on like a really hot streak at the time um for phase three i would say uh and we also had black panther who was introduced in civil war and um, like and he, he was one of my favorite characters in that movie he had a he was like a there. standout in that movie i love i loved t'challa a lot in civil war he was also good in Black Panther, but like, I think I think we may have talked about this. I don't remember when we talked about this, but I think we may have talked about this. Like, he's an incredible supporting character that in his first movie had a little bit of trouble breaking into a lead role. Like, he was still fine, but other characters were better in his own movie. Yeah, it was, it was a weird... Because um, I could definitely tell that he was written by someone else, if that makes sense. I mean, with Marvel, it's kind of like in the comics where you have a different interpretation of the character based on who's writing slash directing him. Um, But yeah, T'Challa in the first one, he's always, he's kind of always what I really want to see Batman as in the movies. Um, Where he's like this, he's like a complete badass, but he's like, there's just so much, or Chadwick really embodied like the darkness uh, of that character in that moment right right after his dad mm. died right and he was he was like intense um he was a man of very few words uh and he didn't put up with any bullshit right yeah like, just like if i remember in civil war i think we are briefly introduced to him not as black panther but as t'challa just sort of around and then mm. the next time we see him he's black panther he's fighting the winter soldier and he doesn't say a word. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked, like, we, we see him before his dad's death, too. We're, like, he wasn't always like that, but we see him before his dad's death, and he's a lot more lighthearted, and he's, like, flirting mm-hmm. with Natasha a bit and just discussing things. So um, I was really, I, I love what they did with the character. There. I really wish they would bring it more into the Black Panther movie. Um, but I can understand why Ryan Cooler made the decision he did where, I like, he obviously wanted a, I guess, a more family-friendly, easier easier to get along with main character, if that makes sense. Um, rather than, like, an, a very intense lead. Which I think it would have balanced out, though, because it, I think a very intense leading role would have balanced out well with his, like, great supporting cast, which really took mm-hmm. it away in the last movie, um, balancing out with him. And I, th- it's, I still think it, it worked either way, but... Uh, yeah, I, I do really miss the Civil War T'Challa a lot. 
Um, mm-hmm. But he was still like, I think Black Panther was, the movie was great. I just, I think the third act, I mean, that's that's not an uncommon criticism. The third act definitely is tough to watch just because I think it really forces some kind of war in Wakanda. Um, and it seems to be, it seems to be a, like, why can't Wakandans just not go to war? For once, yeah. you know, like every movie we've seen Black Panther and it's also with Wakanda, well, except for Civil War. And then all it's like not just black Wakanda in the movie, like they have to fight. We've seen them fight in Endgame, Infinity War, and Black Panther. And like the only reason that Wakanda doesn't go to war in Civil War is because Civil War is one of the Captain America movies, and those movies are essentially spy movies. So yeah. like there can't be a large scale war in a spy movie, or there shouldn't be. And that's the only reason that Wakanda doesn't go to war in that movie. Yeah, I <laughs> they like lit- they physically could not get them to go to war, which is yeah. like, I'm sure they would have if they could have. Um but yeah, and then uh I don't know. I so yeah, it's it's definitely a highlight in in phase 3 um but I would say overrated in some ways, but you know, there's a lot of praise for it too. I thought like it had some great choreography, great acting, like we said before, great cinematography, great score. I mean, like I definitely think it deserved to win for best score. And the uh, it, at the Oscars, it also won for costume design, mm-hmm. which Black Panther has like, I mean, it has just incredible costume design, but it is mm-hmm. that mo- Black Panther and this movie as well are just miles ahead of any other Marvel movie in terms of costume design. It's so good. And like, that's in no small part because of uh, Ruth E. Carter, who's like legendary, but man, it's the costume design like blew me away in that movie. And when that won at the Oscars, I'm like, yeah, of course it did. Yeah. It, it brought, it brought a ton of life to Wakanda. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I guess now we're, I mean, Infinity War happened, Endgame happened, mm-hmm. um, and now we're at Wakanda Forever, uh, which is, I guess, oh, do you, you, why don't you tell, you, you saw it more recently, you tell us, tell did us Did I the actually story. see it more recently? Did you see it first night? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, nice. Or okay. second night, I guess, yeah. So, uh, this movie takes place immediately following T'Challa's death which happens off screen for obvious reasons, but happens after the events of Endgame. So like Endgame happens, Wakanda celebrates because Thanos is dead uh, and whatever, I guess. I don't remember the end of Endgame as it pertains to Wakanda, but like, you know, that happened. And then sometime after that, but not long, T'Challa dies of something. I don't know if they even necessarily say what it was. Um, anyway, this movie starts like just starts with that immediately. Uh, Shuri is trying to save, like is trying to like synthesize the, the flower that they have that makes people into Black Panther uh, because they don't have any more after the events of the first movie. So she's trying to synthesize that because it has healing powers and it can heal her brother, but it doesn't, she's not fast enough or it doesn't work. And uh, T'Challa dies. And then we flash forward a year later and like 
most of this movie takes place while characters are essentially grieving T'Challa's death. Uh, like this is very much a movie about grief, specifically Shuri, like getting, not really getting over it, but like working through it. And um, after a year, like with the death of their king, to, uh, Wakanda is a little bit splintered, not like civil war splintered, but like just kind of a little bit in disarray. Like people aren't, everyone is grieving for different amount of time. People have like gone their separate ways. And uh, then, and I think the UN, some nations in the UN are trying to get their hands on vibranium, which Wakanda will not give out. So, um, I'm probably going into way too many details here. Yeah, you're in like the first five minutes of the movie still. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's the, that's the setup for the movie. The main point concerns uh, some, some like a European nation or a US, I think it's a US boat, finds vibranium and they find it under the ocean, uh, specifically like in Atlantis. And um, because I, I forget the name of the place. I should probably like learn it because it's... Or something. Talokan. Yeah. Uh, it's specifically not Atlantis. But anyway, they they find like vibranium under this underwater Aztec city called Talokan. Uh, and the leader of Talokan, Namor, or yeah, I think it's Namor, goes to Wakanda to be like, hey, help us out. We don't want to be uh, taken over by white people. Can you help us protect our vibranium? And Wakanda goes, let us think about it. But then they think about it for too long and they wind up in a war with Talokan. Yep, that's basically it. Another war. <laughs> and so, like, I only really <laughs> summarized the first 10 minutes, but, like, I feel like most of the important inciting stuff happens right there. And the yep. rest plays <clears throat> out. Like, it's not not important, but, like, you know, now you have the gist of the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> um so what what did you think um i thought there was a lot of good in this movie but i don't think the movie itself was great yeah that's that's fair there's a lot of i'd say a lot of like good moments but just a lot of i wouldn't say bad moments just a lot of boring stuff that doesn't really lead anywhere i would say and I think, like, I think this movie is... So this movie, like, tries to do two different things. And it succeeds at one of them. And it really fails at the other one. And the one that it fails at is what makes up most of the movie, which sucks. Um, but, like, the part that it does really well is the family drama. Like, um, everyone in this movie is grieving. And is, is grieving. So, like, you have Letitia Wright as Shuri... You've got Lupita Nyong'o as, uh, as Nakia. You've got Denai Guerrera as Okoye. Winston Duke as, as Mbaku. And uh, Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda. And all of those, all of them, like it's really, in, it's really nice to see all of them interact because they're all playing characters going through, like dealing with grief in very different ways. Um, but who also all know each other. And like, sort of help each other work through it in, and they get a lot of nice moments. Like they get a lot of good dialogue moments from that. Um, also, I think 
Tanakh Huerta as Namor is amazing in this, at least in the, like he gets some really good moments specifically with Shuri, but like he gets a lot of good, he gets a few good monologues, gets a lot of good dialogue. He has a pretty sick backstory actually. Um, But like, that's the best things about this movie is these little moments that are very personal. And the rest of the movie is like this big war that does not work at all. It's mostly pretty boring, and the implications of it are actually really stupid. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I that that's the, the the war plot reminded me a lot of Black Panther one in terms of they're really trying to force some some kind of massive conflict so that Wakanda can fight on a bigger scale. Um, because for some reason, we every Black Panther movie needs to feature like. The, a Wakandan conflict rather than like the conflict of the people in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that, I think the big, the biggest thing that bothered me about that movie, about this movie is having that big Wakandan conflict um, instead of the little personal conflict between the people really does a disservice to the Wakandans in general because what ends up happening is you get all these little character moments between the nobility and at the very end, like, you know, all of those get resolved, but hundreds of people die that are just never mentioned. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, it's, it's fine to tell stories about royalty and nobility and moments between royalty and nobility. But like, if you're going to tell stories about, I feel like if you're going to tell stories about grand scale, large things where the nobility is at the center, like you have to either convince us that the people that like the royalty of Wakanda cares about its people, or you have to like make us care about those people. Mm. Like it's weird how much cannon fodder is in this movie. Yeah. Like, like actually it's, Especially because, like, this is supposed to be a very, like, Wakanda is supposed to be a, a very, like, they don't want to put vibranium in the hands of other people, but they seem to get in a lot more wars and fights than, like, a lot of other countries that I could think of, ironically like, enough. This movie, um, what was I going to say? This movie, like, this movie features a lot of death. A lot of characters die. But it also takes specific deaths very seriously, mm-hmm. which is very weird to me because, like, it's not weird to take those deaths seriously. There's two funerals in this movie, and those funerals are big, solemn moments where characters are reflecting on things. They're, like, dealing with the fact that someone close to them just died. But then uh, the next scene, but, like, one of those funerals happens and then the next scene some dudes get drowned and it's like we never address that like that's literally a scene in the movie people fall out of a boat and die and -hmm. like this is right after a funeral Mm -hmm. and like i feel like so i think what really kind of shocked me coming out of this movie is that there's I didn't, there's, there's a lot of death and you'd be forgiven for thinking there were only two in the movie because there's two full funerals. So it's like this movie takes those deaths very seriously, mm-hmm. but like, it doesn't really care about the rest, which is, which is weird. It's so tonally strange. 
Yeah, I, I'd say the whole movie is... Uh, it's, like, I get the tone. It's, it's a very dour movie, I'd say. Like, it's very... It's just very grim and bleak. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some moments... Like, I, I really think... I, I actually do really like the first act. Um, mm-hmm. I think it it has some great chemistry between uh, McCoy and Shuri, which we didn't really get to see them interact. But I think McCoy just has chemistry with everyone. Like, she's a very great Florence... I think it's her name's Florence Kasumba. Um, um yes yeah uh, she, she, no okoye is denai guerrera oh Florence sorry Florence is 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 the, uh, yeah uh denai guerrera she she has chemistry with like everyone um mm-hmm. she plays very well in this movie she has a couple of great scenes she uh, has a really it's not really her last scene but there's a scene in this movie that they really sort of play up as her last big scene in the movie. And it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think she could have, like, I, I think there's a lot of uh, debate as to whether like who should have been like the, the next mantle carrier for black Panther. I think she could have done it too. I think she was, she was, she's great. And I think she's a great actress. She has a lot of, um, charisma mm-hmm. but um but yeah what was i what was i talking about but yeah so yeah the first act was great i just i really think that it's like they had two very separate plots of like there was like wakanda kind of versus the u.s government like there's like some conflict there where the world knows wakanda's weak because of t'challa passing away so they are on the defense and they they need to show that they they aren't to be messed with so mm-hmm. um there's a scene where they go to i think it's Bo- it's boston right or are you talking about the un scene or no, the, no when they go oh. to the university to see th- uh Riri it's cambridge which is close to boston okay um yeah they, they go to america and like um they have like some kind of chase scene there i thought that was like really cool stuff um and it, mm-hmm. the movie felt really lively again but Every time the Atlant, the sorry, I'm just gonna say Atlantans. I don't really care. I can't. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and say Talokan when I'm talking about the city, but otherwise yeah. I'm gonna just call them Atlanteans. Yeah, the Atlanteans. Um, I just I thought they were kind of interesting villains. I just they felt really shoehorned into this. Uh, like the the main con like once once they get brought into the plot and then. It's like we're taken from the first act of the whole U.S. government conflict, and then all of a sudden we're brought into like just a lot of exposition about Atlantis mm-hmm. um, or Talacon, which is uh, it. It really, really slows the movie down, especially because it's like during the entire second act, which I want to say is like an hour and a half. It's really trying to flesh out why Wakanda and Talacon end up fighting. But it still never really makes sense because it's an extremely forced conflict, in my opinion. It's like the way they build up that conflict, too. It's like the point of having Talokan in there is that Wakanda is a place which is like... uh, Wakanda is not at the mercy of, but sort of like... What's the word I want to say? The point is that both of these countries, both both of these kingdoms have been like uh, 
um, have suffered varying degrees of colonization or like suffered at the, have, have suffered at the hands of colonizing countries, um, colonizing powers. And so they build these two up as, you know, these, these kingdoms are very similar. They should be working together, but then they end up not working together because they just decide they don't want to. And so they fight instead. And it's, and like, it's, it's an extremely forced conflict, but also it ends up being like, it ends up sort of undercutting the message about colonization that they want to send. If there is a message they want to send, because it's like this country has suffered at the hands of colonizers. This country has suffered at the hands of colonizers. And now the two must fight. Where did the colonizers go? How come yeah. the colonizers are just sitting, sitting pretty <laughs> wherever they were? The side. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a very like unfortunate, like it's, I, I I think they had to like this felt like a a Kevin Feige move where he he was like okay like you have to introduce Atlantis in this movie um and that's that's it kind of felt like that's the reason to, or maybe that I think that was probably the original plot like and then after Chadwick Boseman passed away they brought in all the a whole other second plot of conflict with the U S government um, as like a subplot. But then it's like, you had two main movies that were just kind of both trying to take the wheel um, because I, I'd also put in like Shuri becoming the new black Panther kind of ties into the conflict with the U S government stuff. And then the Atlantis stuff was obviously like the original script. So it's, it's a really strange movie and that's why it comes out so long. And it just feels really unfocused because it's it's weird how they bring in Riri Williams, who I kind of liked at first in the first act. She's like, uh, she's a superhero in the comics. She's like a very smart, very smart girl who I guess kind of has her own Iron Man suit. Um, mm-hmm. And then she built it with a box of scraps in a garage. Yeah, well, I guess in this case, like literally. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she's introduced and she has some great chemistry and some, a couple cool scenes with uh, Shuri and Okoye. And then because the Atlantis plot comes in, she is completely sidelines for the entire second act. And right when we are getting to know this character, all of a sudden she has no purpose in the story. It's so weird too, because at one point, like at one point, so the Atlanteans take like kidnap her so they can kill her. And then Shuri is like, no, we're taking her. And at no point does Riri Williams have any agency over where she wants to go. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to my friend about this earlier. It's like her kid, her options are get killed or get kidnapped. And like, neither of these is a good option. And my friend's like, yeah, but she probably wanted to be in Wakanda. And I'm like, I guess, but she never had a choice. Like it ends yeah. up by the end when she's like Wakanda forever. It's like, well, is that, is that what she really feels or is that Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> it's like Wakanda because it was the only place they took me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like really, it's, it's so annoying. We've had so many, she's obviously another addition to like the potential young Avengers that I seem to be no, it seems to be the theme in phase four where we get, we're getting all these very lame kid sidekicks that have no purpose in the story, but are introduced because um, we had her 
I think we had America Chavez. Yep. Um, who was another plot device with no real character. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Sprite. Sprite from Eternals. Yeah. Well, I guess that was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, she, she definitely had stuff to do in that. But, like, at the very end, like... They specifically, they clearly want to specifically keep her around because at the very end, like, she wished upon a star and got the, and became able to age or something. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember how she got that, but, like, that was a big point at the end. And I'm like, this would never matter unless you want to keep this actor around for seven movie contract. Um... Yeah, anyway. And then so there's speak, the Hawkeye. There's Hawk yeah, Hawkeye. I actually like her. I think she's kind of cool. Um because mm-hmm. she was actually a character developed. Like it was her story, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, she this had was, a full TV show devoted to her. Yeah, this was not this was not Riri had nothing to do in this movie, which is unfortunate. Um I'm kind of of two minds with Riri, because like I think that the person who played her, uh who was in Judas and the Black Messiah, it turns out. Oh. Um, she, uh, I think she did, she did a really good job as Riri Williams. I thought she was a good performance. The thing I didn't like so much is, um, Riri Williams is being, she's, she has, she's not Iron Man, but she actually gives off a lot of the same vibes. Like she's very, she's very much like too cool for school and very, very smart, but also like, you know, constantly quipping, which is fine. That's going to be great in her show. I'm actually super excited. It didn't really work in this movie after a bit because you'd get things like, you'd get these like moments that were not like the most dour in the movie, but you'd get these like kind of solemn moments and then Riri Williams would crack a joke. And it's like, I know that every Marvel movie has to crack jokes anytime they make something sad but like, can we not for one, just one movie? <laughs> one movie. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, I, I kind of like, there's that one scene where, I guess this wasn't a quip, but I liked when she was like throwing stuff at Okoye. I thought that was hilarious. But that wasn't mm-hmm. like a joke. That was more like just her reacting to things. Yeah. Um, no, the part that it, I, I don't remember the exact line, but there was a part in like the third act where, um, you know, I think someone is talking to Namor. It was probably Shuri is talking to Namor and like says something very serious. Like this is going to become like she is, you know, if if this is a telltale game, Namor will remember that. And then <laughs> Riri Williams says like, damn, I don't remember what she said. She says something silly, like <laughs> some joke. And it's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know. I, I'm not really... In, I know she's going to have her own show later. I just... She's not a character I really care about right now. And this yeah. movie did not make me, like, interested in her at all. Um, yeah. It was a... Uh, I don't know. I, I loved uh, Winston Duke in this. I wish he had more to do, honestly. I was he so was sad. He had nothing fantastic. to do. I think that, like, Winston Duke... Winston Duke as M'Baku is probably... He might be my favorite character in this. Because, like, he was, he also, he basically played a counselor, a war counselor to Shuri as queen in this. And, like, 
he was the only one who would actually push back against her ideas and like attempt to give her good advice. I think mm-hmm. the writing in this movie is sometimes a little lackluster. So it wasn't always like perfect advice, but like he actually made an effort to like say, no, actually we shouldn't go to war in this way. And this is why this is what might happen. I'm not going to stop you, but here's what are the possible consequences and like talk things through with her. He has a really, really good um, dialogue with Shuri at the end before they go to like the third act monster fight. Yeah, like every scene I, I, I thought he was in was great. I just, he, I didn't get enough of him. Um, also, there's a scene in the trailer where he goes, cool, cool, gone. And he yeah. says that in the movie too. And I like yeah. that. I like, I like the way he delivered that line. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> one. Um, yeah, Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o's in this. Um, she doesn't really have much to do either. Like, that's why I think she might have made a greater, better Black Panther too, because, like, I feel like without T'Challa, like, her character just loses so much purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think she has, like, a lot of, like, leading, leading person charisma, if that makes sense. I think, like, yeah, I remember, like, seeing her character, I really liked her portrayal, but she just didn't have a lot to do. And, like, I mean, it's, this wasn't her movie, but I would like to see her movie, actually. I think she's a good character if she has something to do. And in this, she like she got a side quest that ended up being important, but like wasn't that wasn't it was that important. Really, it was important, it just wasn't much. It wasn't much, but also like it was so poorly developed. Like she yeah. discovers Talokan by like talking to like one person in a village, and then she, yeah. <laughs> and then she finds it like that's that's how easy it was to get to this whole time she's um, like i know your secret and the woman's like no you don't know t- tells her entire secret yeah. it's like oh okay well and all she had to like she was just like i saw him too and she's like oh okay now i'm gonna tell you everything like it just it when was you very say him, lazy do you mean gives a d- exact description of the <laughs> yeah. person yeah it was just a very lazy like way of getting because I, I just it felt like they needed to get Shuri to Atlantis or Talakon um, to get all that exposition, but then and then she needed a way to get out easily, you know. Mm-hmm. And it it just but it didn't make sense to easily like it would have taken too much time to like come up with an intricate plot to get her, I guess. But uh, yeah, speaking of Shuri, uh, what, what did you think of Letitia Wright as the main character this movie? I thought she was very, I thought she was really good. Uh, I think I'm going to say basically the same thing as M'Baku, though I think Winston Duke handled it well. Winston Duke handled his stuff better, but he was also in less of the movie. Mm -hmm. So like uh, maybe if he was the main character, I would have had my gripes with him as well. I don't know. But like uh, Letitia Wright, I thought was very good. But because she's the main character of the movie with the most screen time, she also suffers the most when the script is messy. Mm. So like, you know, I liked her portrayal. I didn't always like her character. And I think a lot of her dialogue was dumb because she has the most of it. So anytime the script (laughs) is like trying to write around the original script, it's writing for Shuri, who 
in the original script, I'm sure had a huge role, but not main character status. Yeah, I, I, I think she, it's just really unfortunate how they position the character. Like in the first movie, she actually doesn't really talk to that many people other than T'Challa. And she's nowhere close to like the main, like I'd say she's like the fifth, fifth or sixth biggest role in that movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So like to bring her up to first was like just a really big jump. I thought she did well. Like, again, I love, I actually really liked her in the first act and I I thought she had great chemistry with um, uh, Denai Carrera. Um, And, and she had like some great scenes with her mom, Angela Bassett, who by the way was I thought she was like the standout in this movie by, by far. She was amazing. Yeah. She was very good. Um, she had some amazing scenes. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I just, I just, I think Shuri was just missing. She didn't have the, she doesn't have charisma to be the, the right type of charisma to be a lead character in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might've been the script and it might've been just, like the way again, like she she didn't have that many people she was close to in the first movie, so it was like really tough for like that big of a leap. Um, but it just it wasn't like to me. It it doesn't it didn't feel like a full movie if that makes sense. Like it didn't feel like there was a lead character in this movie. Well, and also like at a certain point, her characterization sort of becomes she doesn't want to become the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And, like, normally when that's a character's motivation, like, they don't want to be the hero, but they're pushed into it. Normally, that's the whole movie. But here, like, it's not even a decision she has to make until very late into the movie. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like a complete arc because she has an entirely different arc. And then at one point, it's like, oh, also, we need a new Black Panther. You want to be the new Black Panther? And she's like, no. But then she gets forced into it but like at the halfway point or later of the movie. So it's like, it's not a, it's a story that it's like, it's like an arc that has a middle and an end, but no beginning. Yeah. And again, it's just because I think her character just has so much, so much to deal with, you know, because Mm -hmm. she has like the, the grieving of T'Challa. She has the becoming the new black Panther. She has, um, she has like Riri, the Riri stuff, and she has to be the one that gets all the exposition for Atlantis. She's uh, the center of every single plot point in this movie. Yeah. Which and is a, a lot, lot considering how big of a movie this is. Yeah. And then surprisingly, she's like a very inactive character in this movie too, because she's also for the entire second act, not really doing much. She's, she's stuck in, She's the one being like learning about Talakon, right? Which I feel like would usually be reserved for like a side character, in my opinion. Because the main character, you know, has to be, you would want to be more active and to be affecting the plot and to be doing things. But she was very passive in terms of she, she had to wait, she had to wait to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't come out of this movie like really excited for, the future of the like the black panther franchise i guess if that makes sense i don't really know where it goes for this honestly this felt like an ending to me like yeah i wouldn't i don't know what they would do for a black panther 3 at this point i i think like i mean i'm sure you also heard about this movie's 
like constant production troubles. And like mm-hmm. it's it wasn't a secret. They lost their original lead actor just before they went into production. Mm-hmm. So like this movie this movie like as as the characters in this movie all feel lost, this movie also feels really lost. Like it doesn't really know. I don't I don't know if like the people involved with this movie know what's next. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that by this point they kind of do because they've sat with this movie for long enough that they have ideas and are probably writing the next one. But like <laughs> it, it, if this movie feels kind of final, I don't think that's by design, but mm-hmm. I think that's like explainable. That's why. Well, yeah, it's just the nature of, I guess, like, I, it's just really unfortunate. Like, um, that like right when this I think this franchise the Black Panther series had a lot of potential um but you know I think especially now like um looking at this I didn't know how much I didn't I guess I didn't feel how much uh Chadwick Boseman like really meant to like the 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 series until you know we had this movie without him I thought I thought like Shuri would, they could like, you know, bring someone in and like, it would kind of go, go with the flow. And like, I would still be like, you know, excited for the future and to see what they would do next. But it's it's just, this movie was like, it, it's a, honestly, it's a great movie considering like all the, tr- all the troubles it had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just like, it felt, it felt empty. I felt very like empty watching this because you could feel, you could really just feel this gap in the middle missing where all the cuz all the characters revolved around T'Challa I thought he brought like a very warm presence to it I guess at least in the Black Panther movie you know mm-hmm. um and he he was kind of the main connection to like the rest of the cinematic universe too you know yeah like none of the other Wakandans really have any relationships with anyone else outside of Wakanda right so well like Wakanda is just by its very nature, very isolationist and like almost everyone in Wakanda doesn't really want that much to do with those, with people outside of Wakanda. Yeah. Like not, not without reason, but like it's kind of the fact that Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther was an Avenger really ties him into the rest. Like the fact, I mean, this is never a huge concern. This is this is actually something I usually try to steer away from even thinking about in Marvel movies, but I don't know what it means for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that Wakanda exists and also Talokan exist. Those feel like things that don't mean anything to the universe. Yeah. Like they feel like they're very much just this movie's thing, Yeah, which is fine, I guess, except that the nature of the Marvel cinematic universe doesn't really, you know, makes that a puzzling decision. Yeah. Like, I don't really know where Talakon's going to go in the future either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the movie leaves everything in like a really weird spot, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, uh, it has a very, I guess, I don't know, like the, I, I'd, I'd say the third act in this was pretty messy too. 
Um, I would say it was very messy. Yeah. I hated the idea of, I mean, can we just go into spoilers? Like, I don't think it matters. Yeah. It's 45 uh, yeah. minutes in spoilers. <laughs> um, the high, the whole having the third act fight happen on a ship is just like really bad in my opinion. It really, it's like, it reminded me of like people complaining about the airport fight in civil war, but this was like a thousand times worse because they're literally fighting on like a plain flat surface. Um, that's like, wait, yeah, it's a plain flat surface in the middle of the ocean. So they can't go off, off of this plain flat surface. None of the characters really, I mean, Ironheart flies, but I thought she was very, she had very lame choreography, I guess. Um, it was just probably the most boring third act fight you could come up with. And also like a friend pointed out to me, like, why do you take a ship into the middle of the ocean to fight people who literally have mastery of over the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, my God, yeah, like, not, I, I guess you're not going to get them to come on land, but like, you gotta figure out a way. Cause you're not going to beat them in the ocean. Yeah. It was a very, like, I, I actually, I thought the second act, the end of the second act where Atlanta does that little attack on Wakanda. That was actually really cool. Cause like, yeah, it was a very dynamic, you know, cause Wakanda had rivers or whatever flowing through it. And mm-hmm. um, we never seen like a fight in the city of Wakanda for some reason. Cause I love, I love the setting of the city of Wakanda. We just get very little of it. Because for mm-hmm. some reason, all the big fights happen on these flat terrain, <laughs> these plain flat terrains, uh, which again is like probably the most boring part of Wakanda you could find. Um, so yeah, I it, it was it was a really bad. It, it was kind of I thought the fight between Shuri and uh, Namor was was kind of cool. Um, it was a very intense fight and like uh, very gritty, but. Yeah, other it didn't that one didn't make much like their their plan was to trap him in their plane for he could have burst out of that plane immediately. I think, right? I guess it's made out of vibranium, so maybe not. I don't know. It it felt like a very convoluted plan, yeah. but that was probably the least that was probably the best part of the third act. The worst part was definitely that oh. whole fight where like I'm pretty sure like everyone on that ship died too. Like it was a very bad shit, like they had like 50 yep. to 100 Wakandans die on that raft. And they, I think they had five left. It was so... Yeah, I don't... They were chanting Wakanda forever, right? At the, at the, when the battle ended, it's like, there's five of you left. There's no Wakanda. <laughs> like, what? Oh, man. So, like, only slightly related. It'll, it'll kind of, like, tie back because I'm about to talk about the ending. My sure. favorite thing about this movie is Namor's power. He has... First off, he has little wings on his feet, which is very cute. Um, (laughs) But, like, when they're talking about how his power, like, he has super strength. And they're trying to figure out where his super strength comes from. Well, it comes from the fact that he can breathe, that, like, he can breathe water. So he can, like, breathe without having to breathe air. But because he can also breathe air, he absorbs a lot of air through his skin. So because he breathes so much, he's very strong, (laughs) which I thought was awesome. Like, I love the idea that his super strength comes from the fact that he breathes harder than any man on Earth. (laughs) 
Yeah, that he was, invented super strength by breathing twice. That was a little weird. I mean, I, I can forgive. I, I think they just needed to give him a weakness. Because apparently yeah, he's canonically I mean, as strong as like Thor or something. Oh, um, like I didn't I didn't mind it. I thought it was really funny and like not necessarily in a bad way. It was very much like a our it, it was very much that. Our Marvel supervillain needs a weakness. Let's come up with some nonsense. Yeah. And you know what? I've seen worse nonsense. Green Lantern is originally weak to the to wood and the color <laughs> yellow. So like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, but like it's, and then it's, it's and then incredible. they they kill him by making him well they don't kill him but they beat him by making him very thirsty. Yeah. It was like that SpongeBob episode where they're stuck in yeah. Sandy's house. <laughs> um but yeah, I that wasn't terrible. I I wish that was like I thought I thought the I mean after Namor killed her mom, I thought the conflict between them was definitely much more interesting and personal than whatever happened on that ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever Riri was doing <laughs> it's like all these Wakandans dying and she's cracking jokes and stuff and like like yeah. whoa what am I doing or <laughs> I don't know uh yeah that was that was kind of weird um speaking of the I, I thought I was really I, I really didn't like how they killed off uh, Queen Ramonda I thought that was a very forced death and apparently I thought it was because Angela Bassett didn't want to make be in the movies anymore but apparently she was kind of sad that she was very sad that they were killing her character off i don't know i i only read the interview i didn't like i didn't see the act her give the actual interview so i don't know like how serious she was being but when i read the interview she was like when i read the death scene i was like ryan coogler you will rue the day that you killed queen ramonda how dare you and like you know, the way that she said it in the interview sounded like it was mostly a joke, but also that she wasn't like super happy about the fact that she was oh, going to die. I, it, it was just really like, first of all, it kind of like there's already a massive death in the movie, you know, like with T'Challa, right? Um, so the, the audience is already like the whole movie is like shrouded by that, you know, like for obvious reason. But it, like her death really felt like, like why not kill another one? You know, let's raise, like, let's let's yeah. make people feel. Let's let's bring out more emotions from people by killing off the last remaining family member that Shuri has, which also makes no sense because the Queen Ramonda is like the only person that like had a, a prior relationship with Shuri before this movie, and you like. She was probably the yes. the strongest member of the supporting cast for her. And now mm-hmm. that she's killed off, it's like Shuri has no one left, you know? Like she's she's not really close with um Lupita Nyongo's character, Nakia. She doesn't seem to be that close with uh with Akoye. Like they have some cool mm-hmm. scenes, but like they don't seem like friends, right? And so like yeah. why would you kill the only character with a meaningful relationship to your main actor? Yeah, I mean, like, it feels like she has a meaningful relationship with M'Baku, but we don't see that relationship until after Ramonda dies. Yeah, like, he he comes in as, like, a great supporter of her and friend and, like, mentor in a way, but, like, there's none of that earlier in the movie. It's like, it comes Mm -hmm. off. So it's just, that was such a 
stupid decision in my opinion. She didn't need more of a reason to be angry either. She was already a very angry character. Um, like killing the mom was just overkill. It was too much. I I didn't like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That that's also like kind of what made me less excited about the future of the franchise. Is like it's like so many so many of the original, like I mean that the entire family of hers is dead. So like yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, I think that's it for me too. So like. <clears throat> what what would you what would you give this one on a on a scale? Um, I would say like a six. Um, I I'd say honestly, it's really carried for me by. Uh, I th- I think it does. It did a beautiful job of like, um, commemorating Chadwick. It felt like a love letter to Chadwick Boseman in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, but um, like there was a couple scenes where I, I didn't know how sad I was until I watched this movie, if that makes sense. So I, I shed some tears in this movie. Um, so I think that brought it up a lot, but mm-hmm. um, and it's an overall well-made movie. But yeah, like a 6.5. And I don't it's, this isn't like the type of movie that I feel like I could watch again for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not because it's bad. It's just it's it's just very bleak movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I might I might go so far as a strong four. I think it's got a lot of moments, and I would very easily watch a lot of those moments again. But I think overall the movie is just way too messy, and like, it's it's so few and far between. Like it's really long, and for every five minutes of really cool stuff there is there's like 25 minutes of just some weird huge mess that's not that's like clumsy Mm -hmm. at best and there's a lot of stuff in this movie that i don't think is actively bad but like by being sort of a side thing is just sort of like makes the movie worse. Like it really bothers me how much death there is in this movie that is just completely unaddressed. Mm -hmm. And like the movie isn't going out of its way to make a lot of people die and then not address it. It's just like, it's just that the movie doesn't care. And there's a lot of parts in this movie. And maybe it's just from the fact that from, from the fact that this movie was like made and then, rewritten into what we eventually got but there's a lot in this movie that seems like it's it's in there and then kind of like pushed to the side because it's they just don't have the time to deal with it yeah for sure and this movie has a lot of time so it's weird that they don't have time to deal with something yeah like there's just a lot of extra fat on this movie i think it's just it's all it's all the Marvel system. They had to add a lot to this movie that didn't really fit to continue the story moving forward to whatever this leads to next. Even though like, I don't know where it's going to lead next. It doesn't really help anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But did you give well, it a rating? Right. What was what number? Yeah, yeah. I, I said, like, I had a strong four. Oh, okay. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's Wakanda forever. Yeah. And being that we're now at the end of just over a year of episodes, I wanted to ask, because I think I asked this at the end of the last season. I'm not really sure. That was ages ago now. But I wanted to ask, like, of the movies we've talked about, or even just of the movies that you've seen in the last, like, two years, because this is this show is called Classic Movies Live, I like to bring it back every now and then. Of the stuff you've watched, what do you think is actually, you know, what do you think will actually, like, have an enduring legacy of the movies you've seen in the last two years or so? Uh, I definitely say um, everything everywhere all at once. That's, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think especially, oh, hopefully come Oscar season, that movie's going to get another big push into the public mm-hmm. eye. Um, but yeah, like I've known, I know so many people that have seen that movie and say it's like one of the best movies they've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it is one of the best movies ever made, but it seems to be like a, a favorite for a lot of people. Um, Top Gun Maverick, uh, just because I think it just came at a perfect time in terms of like, it was so unexpected and, um, it came at a perfect time of like movies being full of green screen and stuff. Like, I, I feel like if it came out like after avatar two or something <laughs> like a month mm-hmm. after or something, it would be like really poorly timed, but it was a, it, it came in at a great time. And it like, I think it helped really revitalize the movie experience for me. And I really hope uh, studios catch on to that and see that and, uh, you know, bring it, bring more of that type of entertainment in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a third one, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, what, what what do you have for yours? I'm thinking about it. I'm looking through the episodes that we did over the last year and a half or so. And there's a lot of stuff that stands out to me as things that, you know, in in two, three, four years, maybe even 20 years time, people will people will remember them. But everything I'm looking at is like franchise movies. Like... Yeah. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Dominion. It's never going to go down as the best Jurassic Park movie by a, in fact, it might go down as the worst. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it might. And But like that movie is going to be something that people remember, at least that they remember that it exists in 15 years because it's a Jurassic Park movie and that, mo- and that franchise, if it doesn't get another movie ever, has six movies. Therefore, yeah. anyone who wants to watch that franchise is going to go all the way through. And I'm just looking at them, and we've we've talked about so many franchise movies. And, like, not that that's judgment at all. It's just, like, you know, when I look at these and I say, and I think, uh, what was the last one that I just ran into? Um, like, I was looking at The Batman. The Batman was very good. It was, you know, Robert Pattinson, like, came out and killed it as Batman. All the supporting cast is really good. It's very different from other Batman movies that we've gotten. But like, and I think that like people, I think it'll have a legacy because it is a Batman movie. But I don't know that, I don't really think it's one that's like, I don't think that in 15, 20 years, it's going to be one that people look back on specifically because it's the Batman. People will look back mm. on it because it's a Batman movie. Some people, for for many people, it'll be their favorite Batman movie. But like, 
when you're thinking of random movies in the middle of the night and you're like, and you're like, Oh, what are some of my favorite movies of all time? You're not going to go, bam, it's the Batman and no other superhero movies because I specifically like the Batman, you know, again, not that people won't like that movie, but like, I'm trying to look through this and see if there's anything that I think would really like even Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun Maverick was huge. And as you said, came out at a really opportune time. Like, I think that I think people will remember Top Gun Maverick for when it came out in like in people currently like people are currently still raving about it. I think a lot of people are going to like it. People remember it right now for it being like the big COVID success post COVID success story. Mm-hmm. But like we're at the end of the year and while people are still talking about Top Gun Maverick, like not as much as I would have thought. So I don't know that it'll, I don't know that that's one that like, I don't know, at least based on what we've gotten since Top Gun Maverick, I don't know if that one's going to do it. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the one to cross, cross the threshold. Mm. I definitely think everywhere, everywhere, everything, everywhere, <laughs> all at once is probably like a, a shoe in for, for which one will, which of these movies is an enduring classic. I think yeah. that one, like, people are going to, people are going to single that movie out for ages. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I mean, it's such a unique you know, movie, so it makes It sense. really is. I think, like, when I look back at all the things we've talked about in the last two two years, it really sticks out to me just how much franchise stuff there is. And while franchises are clearly an, I mean, franchises are an important part of movies, even before Marvel, like the MCU and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe there. There may be more there. They are maybe more pervasive now than they've been in a long time. So, like you know, when people complain about franchises, I get it. And not only do I get it, I also complain about franchises. Mm-hmm. But like, you know it's hard for me to say I don't think that I don't think that most of these franchises will have most of these franchise movies are going to have an enduring legacy based on that movie alone. Like if people think back on Dr. Strange movies, they're thinking back on Dr. Strange movies, whether they liked the first one or multiverse of madness better. They're not like singling out Dr. Strange multiverse of madness as a specifically classic movie. Yeah, it's not. This, I might have like, repeated myself like four times there, but I, still. Yeah, well, I, I think like it's definitely the MCU filters that because there's like other superhero movies that like I would say like Spider Man Two really stands out. Yeah. Um, above oh, well, the and, like, and like specifically, the and like Into the Spider Verse is one yeah. that like gets it, it can be brought up in almost any conversation, whether you're talking about superheroes or not, whether you're talking about animated movies or not. Yeah. It's, like it's just yeah. a that good of a movie. So it's possible. It's just in some ways, I think some of the the ways these movies are made are just not they're not meant to stand alone at all. Um, mm-hmm. And there's not enough that like makes it really stick out. Like I'd say the Batman's like like kind of cool, but like it it didn't feel like extremely unique to me, you know. And it doesn't really yeah. make me excited for the future of that franchise either. Like it's like kind of cool. Like, there's a new Batman. I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm older and, like, I don't get caught up in that stuff as much anymore. But, like, um, like I don't really 
it was just it was kind of a cool experience but it doesn't hold a candle to like what's been done before yeah i mean like i think in 20 years well i don't know how many new batman movies will be out between now and 20 (laughs) years but in 20 years when people look back on the batman movies it's gonna be you know tim burton's batman batman and robin and (laughs) the dark knight yeah (laughs) and like I want to stress a cla- of like I really really want to talk about Batman and Robin at one point and I'll talk to you off air about how I want to do that but like um I want to stress a classic movie does not necessarily mean an incredibly good movie it me at least not when I think about classic yeah. movies because I think of like you know Batman and Robin for me I I really like Batman and Robin but when I think of Batman and Robin it's extremely notable in so many ways and like None of those are that it changed cinema for the better going forward. And even if it did, that doesn't mean it's a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's such a unique experience. It's, it's about the experience. It's such a unique experience, despite being a bad movie. That yeah. it's, it's forever going to stay in like the movie, movie discourse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think like, you know, in... At this point, over a hundred episodes, you know, I can, I, I still think the most, the closest, like the most classic movies we've actually talked about are like, you know, aside from actual classics, like Apocalypse Now and Infernal Affairs, it's like everything, everywhere, all at once, Parasite and um, probably something else, Velocipaster, I guess. <laughs> There you go. But yeah. Anyway, I'm excited because I have... I mean, I'm always excited to talk about movies. And uh, I'm almost sad that this has to be our last episode for a bit. I guess it doesn't technically have to be. We could record the next time you're free. But like, I don't know if people are... People are probably on to us. Like, our last episode... As of the time of this recording the last episode that we put up is one we recorded like three weeks ago. So we're very far ahead, which is a great problem to have, but still a problem to have. So we got to, we got to cool it and we got to think about how we got to go forward. And Mm -hmm. I've got some cool ideas. I want to bring us back with a, the big splash here very soon. I mean, uh, Avatar 2 is coming out in like less than a month. So hell yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be quite the um, adventure. All right. Well, Pierre, with that, what's the last word of the season? Uh, Talacon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>